Thank you for joining me. Um, Alex, Aniel, you are the author of Itchy Tasty, An Unofficial History of Resident Evil. You're also like a, a friend of mine. So it's weird <laughs> that we're doing this. But thank you for, for joining us uh, to talk about your upcoming book. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, excellent. Um, so it's uh, published by Unbound. It's coming out April 2021. Uh, and I've been reading about its progress for, for well, it seems like years, probably more like months. Um, but before mm. we get into the book specifically, people probably know who you are if they're a Resident Evil fan. Um, but I wanted to just kind of go back to the start. Uh, if you could kind of lead me into your introduction to Resident Evil, to the fandom, and how you kind of factor into all of that, that'd be great. Sure. Um, yeah, I actually got into Resident Evil uh, a bit later than a lot of people have. Uh, my first game was Code Veronica, and that's why I have the, the strange username CVX Freak <laughs> that I still use today. Uh, that was my first Resident Evil game. Not my first survival horror game, actually. That was that would have been Silent Hill, uh, but I played Code Veronica and became very interested in the series from that point. And so I went back and you know beat the ones that came out before that and have been playing every new Resident Evil game on pretty much day one uh, since then. So I, I really like Resident Evil because, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really hard to explain. Like, I don't even think of myself as a survival horror fan because there are horror games that, you know, are, play similarly to Resident Evil, I would say, but I just can't really get into for one reason or another. And, but with Resident Evil, even, even as the genres have changed and even as the gameplay styles have shifted over the years, I've, I've been able to beat just about all of them uh, at least once. So I think it's just the universe that Capcom's created that I find to be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the games are presented in an accessible way where, you know, for me, video games are just a mechanism for having fun and just kind of getting away from the real world for a little bit. And I've always liked how Resident Evil kind of straddles the line between realism, you know, and quirkiness, campiness, and it's always a fun ride. And I think that's why I, I find it so compelling to, to follow this franchise so closely. Oh, I'm right up there with you. And I I knew of your existence long before I got to properly meet you, but you, you mentioned CVX mm. Freak before. And my introduction to you, you unknowing, un unknowingly to you, um, was uh, through GameFAQs, really, because I went, every, anytime I was playing a new Resident Evil game or revisiting an old Resident Evil game, I went to read your work because you wrote a host of um, free yeah. guides like before there were well I guess there were probably prima guides and stuff but why why buy a book but I can just go and use yours for free <laughs> so thanks yeah I, I get embarrassed every time people mention those old guides because I wrote them when I was a teenager or over 20 years ago so I'm like I, don't, I can't even go back and look at them because I just <laughs> I imagine the writing quality cannot be good by today's standards but if they help you then I'm really happy to hear that they really did. So thank you. Um, but I, I guess it was a really good way for you to sort of like ease your way into um, the video game industry. And, and you're you're well and firmly established now. Obviously, you're, you're writing books about Resident Evil, but you have your own business, which is heavily into um, the video game 
or the video game industry. Do you want to talk about Brave Wave a little bit? Get a bit of a sure. Yeah. We keep going. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I would say the guides were definitely the how I got my foot in the door, so to speak. Uh, and I think because I had written enough guides to catch a lot of people's attention, uh, my first paid gig in the industry was when I was 17 and I wrote a guide on IGN for Resident, uh, not Resident Evil 3, Silent Hill 3, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, that was my first paid gig. It was $300, which, you know, if you're, if you're at that age, it, it's a significant sum of money. Uh, I remember when I did that, uh, IGN invited me into their offices in San Francisco to, to take screenshots of the game because the American release had come out a lot later than, uh, than the Japanese and the European versions for that matter. So we'd use those copies to assemble the guide together. So it was interesting meeting people in the industry. Uh, and I, I still wasn't sure if I wanted to get into the game industry at that point, but it was an option that I kept in the back of my mind. Um, by that point though, I, did, I do know that I, I did want to learn Japanese at some point. And I do remember already having committed to that because I was going to enter university not too long after that point. So I knew I wanted to study Japanese, which I did starting in university. Then I came to Japan, to Tokyo to uh, attend university. And that's when I met a lot of the prominent members of the game industry here in Tokyo. People that I used to read about in, in, in magazines like EGM and Game Pro and Game Informer. And somehow they took a liking to me. So after I graduated, we, we found opportunities to work together. I joined my first game company uh, as well. And then I started Braveway because I, I met my business partner, Mohammed Tahir. And he, he wanted to do a lot of cool stuff with Japanese game composers and he needed somebody to help him with communications and running the day-to-day -day business. He doesn't live in Japan, so he kind of needed uh, boots on the ground here, which I was very happy to do. So yeah, we've been doing Brave Wave since January 2014. So it's been seven years now. Uh, somehow it feels so feels so long and so short at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so time flies, and you know I'm doing that as well. Uh, it's it's fun. Uh, pre pre COVID 19 pandemic, I was traveling a lot to events like E3 where we first met. Yeah, uh, and uh, doing promotion, finding new business opportunities. Uh, uh, hosting concerts and such. So it's a, it, it was a great gig. And at the end of 2019, uh, I also decided to join Limited Run Games and spearhead their Japanese business development efforts. So I actually do two things, actually more than two things, if you count the Resident Evil book as its own thing, <laughs> doing multiple things in this industry. Uh, but it, it's fun and I really enjoy um, I guess the position that I have of, you know, being able to work in Japan, but being able to have regular communications with people outside of Japan as well. Uh, so it's a fun, it's a fun thing, although it is, it is kind of tiring. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, in the time zones alone, like your, your family's all in San Fran, if I uh, yes. recall correctly. Uh, and I guess like you're, you're a testament to 
language learning. Uh, it's it's probably not an understatement to say that a lot of these opportunities that um, you have in your professional life, or even you know, in terms of this book, have come from learning Japanese and being able to speak Japanese to Japanese developers and not have to worry about those kind of language barriers or something getting lost in translation. Yeah, I would say exactly. Um, and I think the, the biggest benefit from that isn't necessarily just speaking the language, but I would say it's understanding how to talk to these people on, a, on an interpersonal level because Western or I, English, I guess, English language interviews tend to have a specific style that in my, in my uh, experience or in my opinion can catch Japanese developers off guard because of the way they're phrased or how deep they go. Or I think the average English game interview question has like a lot of baggage or <laughs> there's a lot of, there are a lot of preconceptions that go with it, which is fine. I think, I think that that style works and can work, but if the developer, him or herself doesn't speak English, then um, it, in a lot of cases, it's a lot, it's up to the translator and the interpreter to kind of make that question understood and to make the answers, you know, connect to it. But in my case, being able to talk to a lot of the developers who worked on Resident Evil in their native language in a more organic way that, that they're used to, um, and, you know, listening for those cues and their answers and being able to react to them without having to rely on an interpreter who may or may not catch those cues. I think it, I think being in that position gave me an opportunity to have these conversations that no one else might necessarily be able to have. Right. And I thought that these people have very interesting things to talk about. So, you know, it, it just made sense to do something with it in well, a more and, formal way. And you've taken advantage. So like I've, I've had a chance to read a little bit of it early. So thank you. I will guard what, what access I have with my life. I promise you. Um, it, as, it, as much as it is obviously a history of Resident Evil, it's, it's, at points, a history of, of Capcom itself. So you, you have a lot of access with a lot of different people and delve into a lot of history. Um, so obviously it, it's unofficial, but it seems like Capcom's pretty gracious uh, in providing access, or at least, you know, like former developers and, and have, yeah, have provided access. Yeah, it's a bit of a tight rope to walk on um, <laughs> because it, 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 I do have to emphasize that the book is unofficial and independent. So Capcom isn't specifically sanctioning anything I say. And I think one important thing to remember about work like this is that a lot of it is subjective. Um, I did talk to the developers, but I did encounter differences of recollection between one person and another. And it, it, it's very difficult to reconcile that. So I've tried my best to present the book in a way where you know, I mean, I, I hope it's objective. I hope it comes off as objective to anybody reading it. But I also hope that people appreciate that these things are fluid and there's no, there's rarely ever one right answer to a question like, oh, what, what was this game supposed to achieve, right? Or, or, or what was hard and what was easy and what did you like and what did you not like? My, you know, I, I, I spoke to as many high level people as I could uh, so I hope I hope that 
people people can get a sense of yeah i guess how the resident evil series kind of grew semi-randomly right i don't know how far <laughs> you've made it and and what you think about it oh uh, i i have lots of good things to say and it's almost that thing where like i want to talk about so many bits and pieces but a lot of it and I, I i feel like i know a lot about resident evil but there's a lot that i didn't know or didn't know as much about and i'm just like so excited when i hit those points and they're, they've been frequent i think i'm up to i'm just getting to code veronica now which is fitting mm. um and there's all these really neat things that i, I don't want to talk about because i want people to go and read it for themselves i want them to go get the book and 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 that's amazing so i'm leaving as much as i can like that but like you were saying and like the the picture behind you says you know some of these stories were, were 25 years ago or more and it's it's this great kind of oral history kind of, of like retellings of well, like I, I think it happened like this or like I recall it was you know to do with with this impact as well so it's it's really neat to, to be able to have that much access and if we're talking about people like Shinji Mikame I got to meet him at like a Bethesda party at E3 probably the same year that I met you I think maybe I don't know sure. it, was, it was the year they announced the evil within and I I could barely get out two words to like I was just so enamored with him and like I got to meet him and and you're not only meeting with him but you're actually like composing yourself and and, and getting all this really cool information out of him so I'm, I'm jealous I'm very jealous <laughs> of, your, of your ability to do so but also at the same time like do you, did you have that kind of conflict of like just hero worship or like no I gotta do my job I have to I have to get some good stuff out of him yeah uh I well I I I, I was lucky because I had met him once before the interview, actually twice before the interview, but like I, I was able to spend an evening having dinner with him in 2007 when I was 20. <laughs> no, 19. I was still 19 and, and a friend of mine had invited me to have dinner with him when I was visiting uh, Japan, Osaka for the first time. So I, that, that, that I, I was able to get my hero worship side out of me on that trip and you know I, I 11 years later you know i had another dinner with mikami side and that was squarely focused on the uh, the interview he's actually a i don't know how to describe him um i think a western or a non-japanese speaking interviewer might perceive him as very humorous and kind of easygoing but he's actually i would say a very sharp individual like he, he is very good at recalling a lot of stuff from the past. Nice. Uh, and I remember one, one funny part about the interview was that like, I was processing a lot of his answers, but like he was so eager to keep talking that he was, he kept telling me, you know, ask more questions, ask more questions, ask more questions. And I, I was unprepared to ask more questions in that. So I had to, I had to come up with stuff on the spot. And then the person accompanying me who organized the interview uh, was telling me, yeah, Mikami-san, he can be quite tough on people if he knows they can handle it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was amusing for sure. And you know, I think once, once we're done with COVID, uh, he told me to you know, come back to him and you know, give, an update, give him an update on the book. So nice. I, I, I look forward to that for sure. Nice. And and he uh, was helping out with uh, some signed copies, from what I recall, in terms of the the Unbound tiers, and and you've signed some yourself. You've also brought Brave Wave in to to give some some bonuses to people. Yeah. And I've noticed there is like a, and I'm sure it would have been the case anyway. But 
there's a there is an emphasis on some of the soundtrack and you know musical composition elements that I don't know if you'd normally get in in something like this. So I would really appreciate that, especially when it comes to differences between yeah. like, Japanese versions and English versions, which in Resident Evil, like that's that's half the story. It seems like. Yeah, I tried. I tried my best to integrate some of the music, it, the information on the music into the series. I don't do it too much, except for one certain game uh, that I'm sure anybody who knows Resident Evil should be able to figure what, out what that game is. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did it partly because I work in game music and I have a lot of familiarity. You know, talking with composers countless times over the past seven years, you, I just kind of knew how, I, I knew how to integrate it into the, um, the book in a fairly organic way. But you know, it's, it's not, the book is not honestly the end all be all in that case, because like, I don't, I don't get to talk too much about artists, for example, or illustrators, right, or planners. Yep. So, you know, it's not like I have every, every angle that could have ever been explored. Um, and if the book does ever get revised in the future, you know, I would love to, I would love to try delving into that angle a bit, but the book's already pretty long for what it is. So. Well, I'll tell you with, yeah. with Village coming out with, you know, rumors of Revelations 3, like I'm, I'm down for like 10 years or so, you know, revised edition mm. or, you know, the continuing history. That's fine with me. Don't, don't, mm. don't think you're out of this, uh, this job yet. <laughs> You've interviewed so many people for this book. Do you have, is it, can you pick a favorite or is it, there's so many pick giant names that's favorite. too hard or two or three, if you really want. Well, I don't they were, make they were all, they were all wonderful interviews. Um, I would say maybe the Mikami-san interview was actually one of my, I, I wouldn't say least favorite, but it was probably the the interview that surprised me the least, right? Yep. The interview that I felt like I got the most out of just holistically would be the interview with the director of Resident Evil 3, Nemesis, uh, Kazuhiro Aoyama-san, because we spoke for like eight hours maybe, Oh, wow. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah, he was so open about this, this, and that. Uh, he, he worked on not just three, but on one and two as well. And he talked about, oh, you know, we, we, we had trouble with this, you know, implementing this gameplay idea. So when we had, when we made Resident Evil 2, we decided not to do it. And we, I mean, I don't know if this made it into the book, but yeah, like we had to change this for Resident Evil 2 and for Resident Evil 3, this happened. So yeah, eight hours of conversation with him. I couldn't include every little thing, but I think uh, the, the one nice thing about his interview was I had to travel to a small city in Japan to meet him and after we finished the, the the formal interview at the cafe, we uh, he took me to his house, which is very uh, unusual in in Japan, uh, especially when you meet someone just for the first time. And, and uh, he showed me a lot of the development materials that he had wow. brought with him after he left Capcom. Things that things that were written out. Um, like planning documents like that that still showed Resident Evil 3 Nemesis with the old name Resident Evil Biohazard 1.9 plus 2.1 uh, <laughs> plus it was, yeah it was it was 1.9 at the beginning then it became 1.9 plus 2.1 and then they settled on 
Yeah, three at the end, and then it became Resident Evil Three Nemesis Biohazard Three: Last Escape, and he had he had sealed copies of all the Biohazard games as well, just you know, part of his personal collection. Nice. So and it was very fascinating to to. Yeah, I should have made a documentary out of that instead of uh, in a book interview. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a testament to yeah. what, what you were saying before. You know, be, being able to approach these people as you know, speaking, speaking uh, Japanese and understanding the culture and, and not having that kind of barrier. Whereas, you know, I, I have a feeling if I went to interview him about Resident Evil 3, I wouldn't have been invited back to his home. <laughs> so that's, and that, and that means that fans get this kind of insider look that we might not have received. And, you know, like this franchise has been open and running for 25 years plus, depending on development. And you do mention interviews with, you know, GameStop or an EGM here, there and everywhere, but a lot of this material seems like it's, it's, it's kind of coming from you. It's, it's not something that you can just, you know, do some research and pick and choose from publications. This is because you've gone and traveled to small towns and met with people and had dinner and then developed a relationship to be able to do something like this. How do you feel about the response the community has had to this book? Like you look at Unbound right now, I think it's 173% backed or something. You probably know specifically how much it was backed. That's about a thousand people pre-publishing, getting in on this book. That's that's tremendous support. That's that's a hunger for Resident Evil history. Yeah, I was, I was really surprised that the response was that favorable. Uh, I thought maybe maybe a few hundred people would back the book. Right. And it wouldn't sell much more than that. But apparently there's been a lot of after or post campaign demand uh, for people who didn't know about the campaign when it was going on. So uh, the publisher has pretty. I would say, I mean, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, it's probably very modest, but I guess in the context of video game books, it's probably uh, they probably do have fairly uh, positive expectations about it commercially and critically. And I'm, I'm really glad that people like what they've seen so far. Uh, it's not easy to write a book. And I originally decided to write this book in 2017, right after Resident Evil 7 came out. And I thought the book would be out within a year of that, but I decided to rewrite the book one year in based on feedback that I had gotten from people who, who I showed drafts to. And so it's, it took, yeah, like another year to rewrite it, I would say. Uh, and yeah, and then the campaign came along and that went on for a while. And then we finally were able to start going into the editing process uh, during mid 2020. So here we are today. Yeah, nice. it's almost out. Like it went to press and I, I'm really happy about it. Nice. I'm really unfamiliar with how Unbound works, so I apologize. How how does that work? So if people are just hearing about the, the book now, is do they have a certain amount of time that they can get in before like it's unavailable or is it continually available? Fill so me it's it's a crowdfunding book publisher. And I uh, according to them, they're the first of the world to kind of explore this business model. So very similar to Kickstarter, but the, the main difference is that they only do books, obviously and the people operating the publisher have an expertise in terms of how books are written, edited, published, reviewed. 
the, the main difference between Kickstarter and Unbound is that Unbound specializes in crowdfunding books. So they have people behind the scenes who are experts in the publishing side of things, distribution, editing, legal review, which is a very important element of the book, uh, making sure it, it comes out properly. So they don't publish the funding target specifically, but it was a very, and in my opinion, a very substantial amount of money. Uh, to get a project like a book off the ground, so uh, I was I was very happy when we hit uh, the the funding goal. It was in it was I think it was on Christmas or like the day before Christmas, what a twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was actually at a limited run games company Christmas party when it hit a hundred percent, and I was able to celebrate right on the spot. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's that that's the 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 allure, I guess, or the the unique element of Unbound. They've done a few video video game books before, so uh, they they had kind of a precedent to go on. But publishing a book is not easy, right? I mean, there are a lot of self publishing tools nowadays, but it's impossible for anyone to write a book on their own, in my opinion. You need an editor. You need someone to draw a nice cover for you and I wasn't able to do all that myself. So I'm glad that I had the support of all the people who were willing to pitch in and help make this project a reality. And and fitting, a Resident Evil book has to go through a couple iterations to get to, you know, the, the level that people <laughs> wanted to come out at. So that that wasn't lost on me. And I'm sure it's not lost on you. I'm sure you'd prefer not to have had to do the work twice, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was doing the work twice. I would say it was just finding finding my focus or finding what works best. And you can't do that without without trying a few approaches and seeing if they work or not. So, and I guess, yeah, video game development is certainly the same thing. Uh, you don't wanna, you don't wanna be committed to something and only that from day one without having the flexibility to, to develop into something that's more suitable. Nice. So you didn't, you didn't answer my question. If people still want a copy of this book, can they, can they jump on now? Can they Absolutely. Sign up? Yeah. So on the Unbound site right now, I believe you can only purchase the uh, ebook edition. Cool. I imagine, I imagine they'll make the, the, the hardcover edition available again, but at the moment you can buy, you can pre-order the physical version of the book on Amazon on all, all the all the Amazon websites around the world. They have the same listing. There you go. Plug so it, man. You're, whether you're on Amazon.com, Amazon CA, uh, I don't know if there's an Australian Amazon yet. .com.au. I'll go check. I'll make sure we get yeah. links everywhere. It's all on there. Amazon Japan, Germany, France. So nice. Yeah, and take I, a look. It, Sorry to cut you off. I didn't. I don't. I don't want to talk about too much of what's going on, but there's some like really neat tidbits and like really like kind of general ones that I was surprised to learn about. Were just like really silly things that I just kind of took for granted, like um, Japanese localization and how that works, and even something as simple as the state of the used video game industry in Japan. And I won't get into specifics, but like those little tidbits were just so like little sparks of kind of knowledge that were just peppered throughout the book. And yeah, if you are a Resident Evil fan, like there's gonna be tons of those, I reckon. Do you have a favorite kind of little weird tidbit like that? Or is that's probably like way too specific to try tidbit? to get a No, I, I think it's fine. Uh, I, I would say 
Resident Evil likely being responsible for the establishment of Japan's equivalent of uh, this, the ESRB or PEGI was probably very enlightening because if you think about it, it does make sense, right? From a timing perspective, uh, Resident Evil was, was one of the first mainstream violent video games to come out. And I would imagine that just like in the US, it might've ruffled a few feathers in Japan and that required the establishment of an organization to manage that kind of content. So I thought, because, you know, I work in biz dev in the game industry and in my job, I have to be mindful of things like the ESRB and Peggy and how they will view the kind of content that we're trying to make. Uh, so, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite tidbits to come out of, of the interview that I would never have thought about if nobody told me. Right. So. There you go. Uh, random Resident Evil lightning round fan questions for you. Okay. <laughs> Favorite game? God, it changes every month at this point. Alex, uh, lightning round. Resident Evil 4. Okay. Resident Evil 4. Character? Leon. Oh, good choice, good choice, good choice. Do you want a Code Veronica remake? Absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Revelations <laughs> one or two? One. Ooh, why? Because I feel like when I played it on 3DS, it felt quite revolutionary, very straightforward design, and really well made, in my opinion, in terms of technical polish. And story's a little funny, but I think it's a fun game to play. Revel Revelations two is great, but it was a console game on day one, and I felt like the the, the, the technical polish was lacking for a Resident Evil game. It felt really rough to play at launch. It's a lot better now, but I, I, I do take those things to mind. Like when Resident Evil Revelations 2 came out, like I thought it looked worse than Resident Evil 5, despite being a yeah. like coming out six years later. Six years is the gap between Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil Remake. So, you know, I have, I try to have standards. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of people do like two over one. So I, I do acknowledge that there are a lot of things about two that are very interesting that would have, you know, probably been even better if, if, if the game had a full budget. I'm a, I'm a Claire girl guy. I'm a Claire guy who likes that girl. But uh, Leon's, <laughs> I think I like Leon above Claire, but I think I like to and those two characters above anything else. So I tend to gravitate. Sure. That. Anyway, not the point. Um, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Uh, plug yourself, plug Brave Wave, plug how to get the book. This is your opportunity to say whatever you want before I... Uh, let you go back with your day how can we follow all of the things i mean it's it's been a pleasure so uh i'm actually sad it's coming to an end but yeah you can find me on on twitter instagram uh and clubhouse wow <laughs> uh all under the username cvx freak um you can find brave wave we have a website bravewave.net we have a twitter account brave wave music uh, also on Instagram, Limited Run Games, another one I want to plug. Uh, I think people should know where that is, but we have limitedrungames.com in our social channels as well. Um, yeah, and if anyone ever has a question about the book, just send me a message on Twitter and I'll try my best to answer. I'm not, I'm not the best at getting back to people on a timely <laughs> basis, unfortunately, but I am, I am looking, so hopefully if, if, if you need to know something and I don't respond, uh, 
feel free to follow up. Uh, and I can't wait till the book comes out. Um, the ebook might come out on might come out in March. I'm hoping it does. So by the time people hear this, maybe it'll already be out. I'm not sure what the exact timing of this podcast publication is, but I'm aiming for a certain date in March that I'm hoping that we're able to meet. So. Nice. Well, we can try to time it if we want. So ebook uh, via Unbound, you can go to Amazon in your locale and we'll make sure there's yes. Because I really like, yes, you are my friend. Yes, I love Resident Evil, but this book is tremendously well-written informative like I, I recommend it for casual fans for hardcore fans it's really really good Alex you should be very proud of your accomplishment thank you I, I really appreciate that I will fanboy a teeny bit that's fine um thank you so much for joining me again I very much appreciate it thank you for your time and good luck for the yeah. book's launch thank you so much